Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Monday, December 20th. Today on the show, the Nashville Predators get all of their games canceled, but are still the hottest team in the NHL. We got some drama between the Memphis Tigers and the Tennessee Volunteers game that was canceled on Saturday. But we begin with the AFC playoff picture and the Tennessee Titans giving away another chance at victory on Sunday afternoon. If you own a home and you care about your bank account and you care about your happiness, then the Kingston Group are the people you need to know when it comes to anything, any work you want to have done with your home. You want a custom rebuild, you want a whole new wing, a whole new addition, talk to the Kingston Group. These are big decisions that have major financial ramifications, and there's no reason to make any of these decisions without all of the best information. This is why you talk to the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Make sure you remember the name, the Kingston Group. The Tennessee Titans were the better football team Sunday afternoon in Pittsburgh, but they made too many mistakes and could never slam the door, and it cost them a victory. It cost them their third loss in four games, and it cost them a chance at the one seed in the AFC as they fell 19-13 to the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. The Titans totally controlled the line of scrimmage all day. They rushed for 202 yards on offense, had 39 minutes time of possession, and gave up an absurdly low 160 yards of total offense to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they had a 10-point halftime lead that looked insurmountable with how well Mike Vrabel's defense was playing. Yet four more turnovers, including three turnovers on three straight possessions to end the third quarter and begin the fourth quarter, gifted the Steelers short fields and scoring chances. And Pittsburgh capitalized, scoring points on all three turnovers and went from down three to up six with just half of the fourth quarter left to play. Even then, the Titans' defense stood up and got stops, holding Pittsburgh to field goals on all three drives after the turnovers. But that was enough for Big Ben and the Steelers because they made the plays and got the points they needed. While there's no Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones didn't play in the second half after, of course, tweaking his hamstring in the first half, there are major questions here about Ryan Tannehill's ability to do anything of note without Henry standing beside him in the backfield. I have not seen a quarterback look this bad without a starting running back in quite some time. He scored his NFL best seventh rushing touchdown in the first quarter to give the Titans the lead, but largely did nothing else but help the Steelers the rest of the way. The final two of the four turnovers were an interception and a fumbled snap, Tannehill's second fumble of the day. He took four total sacks on the game, again, too many were on him, and needed 32 attempts to muster just 153 passing yards, all while getting over 200 yards rushing from his ground game in support. I believe that Tannehill is a great fit for what this Titans offense wants to do big picture, but only when they have Derrick Henry. When the offense turns to 17 to pick up his team and carry them through what is frankly a pretty easy stretch of games, he's not only failed to produce, but looks completely lost way too often. That's 13 turnovers and three losses with six interceptions, five fumbles, and eight sacks from Tannehill in those games. The only turnover-free game in the last month was against the god-awful Jaguars who fired their coach, and even that was really, really ugly football. Is every single mistake on him, and is it fair to ask this offense to keep producing despite their big three weapons being injured? Of, of course not, but my mama taught me early that life ain't fair, and life in the NFL definitely isn't fair. It's December in the most grueling sport in our country. Injuries and adversity come with the territory. The defense has been downright disgusting for the better part of two months, mauling people and controlling the line of scrimmage. The running game is still churning out yards, even if by committee, averaging 170 yards rushing per game over their last four, that's more than they averaged with Derrick Henry. And the offensive line is basically the same, of course, minus Roger Saffold this weekend. 
This is on Ryan Tannehill, and it's on Todd Downing. It's on the two of them for lacking the ability to adjust. Adjust during the week of preparation to their personnel constraints, to adjust in the game to what the defense is doing, to adjust pre-snap to what Tannehill is seeing, to be proactive instead of reactive. And maybe on the most important drive of the game, on second and six, just 16 yards away from a game-winning touchdown with plenty of time left, you should keep running the football. They didn't, and a strip sack fumble all but ended the Titans' hopes on Sunday. Fair or not, right now, as the Titans are currently constructed, asking this quarterback to go win you a game simply isn't going to get it done. I guess there is some good news, however, as the AFC playoff picture continues to do the exact opposite of crystallize. Two other division leaders, New England and Baltimore, both lost this weekend as well, and it keeps the Titans alive for the one seed in the AFC. Currently, Tennessee is the three seed in the conference, but they're only one game behind the top-seeded Chiefs who, by way of their dramatic overtime win over the Chargers on Thursday, now sit atop the heap. But the Titans have the tiebreaker over Kansas City, so they are still only one good day of outcomes away from a first-round bye. And even though the Colts won, the Titans still have a strong hold on the AFC South, despite all of the sloppy ineptitude and injuries on offense. The Colts would have to go 3-0 to finish the season, and the Titans would have to lose two more times for Indianapolis to win the division. It is possible, but extremely unlikely. Buffalo and Cincinnati both won, and that moves the Bengals into first place in the AFC North and gives the Bills the final playoff spot. The Ravens actually fall all the way from division leader to out of the playoffs altogether, while the Colts move up to the fifth seed and the Chargers sit in sixth. Cleveland is a half game out of first place in the AFC North and could make it a three-way tie if they can win on Monday against the Raiders despite all of their COVID issues. Even the Steelers kept their playoff hopes alive with the win on Sunday as the Titans are handing out charity, but they are currently in 10th place in the AFC, three spots out of the postseason. The Titans are still in very good shape with a schedule that still seems somewhat manageable, but they seem to be getting worse each week and are making bigger and bigger mistakes in games that they are supposed to win, and the other teams on their schedule continue to surge, which means this stretch is beginning to look tougher than expected. Tennessee gets a short week now before hosting San Francisco on Thursday night before finishing up with a home game against Miami in Week 17 and a road trip to lowly Houston in the season finale. The Texans suck, but the Niners have won five out of six, and the Dolphins have won six straight. I know they could be getting big weapons back soon, but this team needs to shake off this funk immediately before they run out of schedule to correct the problems. Otherwise, the Indianapolis Colts could do the unthinkable steal the division despite being swept by the Titans earlier in the season. It will be a quiet Christmas week for hockey fans as all three games for the Nashville Predators this week have been postponed or canceled due to COVID outbreaks. The road trip to Carolina on Sunday night, the home game against Winnipeg on Tuesday, and the road trip to Florida on Thursday, all 86th by COVID. But not before the Preds could win two more games, collect four more points, and push their winning streak to seven games and their record to 19-10-1, also known as pretty damn good. UC Soros beat Colorado 5-2 last Thursday, and the Blackhawks in overtime on Friday night despite missing basically a third of his fellow teammates and the entire coaching staff. Milwaukee Admirals coach Carl Taylor has been running things this week while John Hines and company are in COVID protocols. The NHL has a lot of issues right now as more than a fifth of their entire league has been put into the COVID protocols this season and breakouts are happening across the country. Border travel to Canada has been halted and new policies are being implemented. It's good news that most players and their families are doing fine with mild or no symptoms at all, again, because they are vaccinated. 
The stoppage couldn't come at a worse time for Nashville. Yes, they could use some rest, as all teams could in the NHL, but they are arguably the hottest team in the league right now, and stopping that momentum while they are playing legitimately excellent hockey and gobbling up points is disappointing for sure. Nashville is one point out of first place and on pace for 106 points. The Vegas over-under for this team entering the season was 86. Needless to say, they are a shockingly good team right now, and they will have to show some serious mental toughness to come through these stoppages playing the exact same style of hockey. As of right now, the next scheduled game is not until Monday, December 27th against Dallas, a full 10 days from the last time they will have played a game. So about an hour and a half before tip-off of the big Memphis-Tennessee game at Bridgestone Arena between the Tigers and the Volunteers, the Memphis Tigers decided they could not play the game, which is, number one, just incredibly unfortunate for everyone in the state of Tennessee on both sides of the equation, Memphis fans, Tennessee fans, people that have driven a couple of hours, spent a couple hundred dollars, maybe more, to stay in Nashville to go to that game. I know I looked at tickets for me and my, my two girls and my wife, and you know, 200 dollars for tickets, I'd be pretty pissed if the game got canceled, too. But if two players, we don't know if they're vaccinated or not, test positive for COVID, they had been exposing a bunch of people the night before, like a team and family and fan gathering, you just sort of have to do it. And the American Athletic Conference, they passed the buck down to the schools, of course. And so the school had to decide whether or not to play. And according to the rules and the protocols, they didn't have enough players. I, I Listen, Tennessee fans, if it makes you feel better to call them you know, soft and weak and running away, like that's fine. But it's also probably just the smart thing to do. Like this is not a this is not a thing that's just affecting Tennessee basketball or Memphis. Sure, are there some players unvaccinated on Memphis's team? A- according to reports, there are, and that certainly could be contributing to the fact that they got COVID. They can certainly be blamed for catching it, I suppose. But this is also happening across every sport. You know, NFL games getting pushed back. The EPL is canceling half of its weekend slate this past weekend. Seventy players have gone into protocol in the NBA in just December alone. Almost 20% of the NHL has been put into the COVID protocol list. So this is happening all over the place. It's not just college basketball, and it's not Memphis being soft. If they only had four or five players, they can't play a basketball game, guys. And that's that's according to the rules. It is what it is. It sucks. It's awful. I hope the schools and Bridgestone go out of their way to try to make up for the fact that the game got canceled. But this is where we are, folks. 18 months of this, almost two years of this. This is where we are. Thank goodness everyone's safe and But if a kid wakes up sick with symptoms on a Saturday morning before a game, the game probably needs to get shut down if everyone's been put into protocol and and testing procedures. So it sucks, man. I hate it. But don't don't, there's no reason to be dunking on people. It's just it's just not it's not worth your time. The 440 brought to you every single morning by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and it's award-winning, I might add. So, proven process, over 10 years in the market of success, taking care of people's homes, dreams, and equity. Make sure you give them a call. BuildKG.com is the website. Talk to the Kingston Group. I promise you, you will benefit. Thank you guys all for listening. Of course, my name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Monday, December 20th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.